We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold. Your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. And joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back and all-around good guy, Eric freaking Crocker. Bro, how are you feeling? I'm feeling anxious, man. I'm ready for this game. <laughs> I know, man. It's, this seems like it's just this two weeks has just gone by so slow. Mm, brutal. You know what I mean? And, and, it, and the fact that there's no other teams to talk about, really. I mean, obviously, there was some some news a couple of days ago that turns our eyes away from the Super Bowl and the fact that we lost Kobe Bryant and, and eight other people, which is that still hasn't really set in for me. Uh, you know, that's like so many people have said, that's like losing somebody that's like, you know, it's it sounds it's like more than a human. You know what I mean? Like it's he's like a legend for so many people and, and uh you know, I don't know how how much time we should spend on this. It's just it's just hard to talk about. But yeah. I mean, that was uh, 
definitely put things into perspective. You know, you, you put so much hype into, you know, the 49ers in the Super Bowl this is amazing. This is everything. This is, it's all, you know, everything's, and it still is a big deal, but then something like that happens and it puts everything into perspective. Yeah. It is yeah. tough for me. Um, I, I watched Kobe Bryant's entire career. Uh, me being a Laker fan, I mean, I always say, you know, I was a Laker fan since Eddie Jones was a rookie, you know, I was before Kobe got there. So, um, you know, just being young, seeing Kobe, and just remembering him in that rookie slam dunk contest, the way he walked, his swagger, um, the confidence, you know, the bald head, the the going to prom with, you know, Brandy and, and you know, just and then going from there to watching his entire career. And, you know, us being a 49er fan, um, and we, you know, I, I can't remember. I don't remember the 49ers winning the Super Bowl in 94, um, but I do remember every championship the Lakers won with Kobe Bryant. And, you know, it's it's tough because, you know, for guys like me, he was more than just a basketball player. It was a, it was a way of life, you know, the whole mama mentality. And um, I, I live by that. You know, my wife would tell you I'm probably the most competitive person you'll, you'll come across. And a lot of that stems from me growing up and being a Laker fan and watching Kobe Bryant and the way he approached everything with the, you know, with the uh, never lose mentality. And always trying to figure out a way. And that's really how I approach life. Like, there's never a situation that gets me down. I'm always trying to figure out how do I come out of this situation a winner. And that was what I learned most about Kobe Bryant. You know, he had great teams. He had bad teams. But you could never tell by the way he approached games or a season. Uh, you would never know that it was a downtime for him or the team because he, he was always – locked in and giving his all. And that was why it was so tough for me to, I don't want to say accept like, you know, LeBron James, but um, just the mentality of LeBron James. And I think the generation uh, that is coming up now, I think people are more like him, not saying he's not a competitor, but just some of the things where I, I thought LeBron, yeah, LeBron's an amazing player. Maybe, you know, people view him better than Kobe Bryant. It's hard for me just because of the mentalities, but uh, Kobe, I feel like it was always figure out a way where LeBron, I saw him and it was like, uh, let me go team up with these people to do this or that, you know? And that was the only thing that like the knock I kind of had on LeBron as opposed to like Kobe Bryant. But just, I think the generation now thinks more like LeBron, where if something's not going their way, they'll kind of bail out and see if they can latch on to something else that, where maybe it gives them more of an advantage where Kobe Bryant is like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to figure it out here with whatever I have. And I took that mentality throughout my entire life and to see him gone, man, I just, I could just can't believe it. And I still can't, I, I just do not believe it, man. Like I, I don't believe it. <laughs> like I, I, I told a story about right. when my father died and, um, you know, I was with the New York jets and he, you know, I used to talk to my dad every day. Like literally every day we talked, we were we were best friends. And one day he just, you know, I got a phone call that he died. And I remember kind of feeling numb to it a little bit. Um, I didn't have emotions one way or another. It was just like, then, you know, I lost my dad. He was young, 48 years old, no real issues that I knew of. And, you know, going to the facility the next day, I was with the Jets and I went and talked to Coach Tim McDonald's after – Coach Tim McDonald, former 49er, um, after our t uh, defensive meeting, and I remember saying, hey, you know, I might have to leave soon. Um, sometime this week, you know, my dad died. 
So I might have to go home for a funeral. And I remember he just kind of looked at me like really puzzled, not really knowing exactly what to say. And as I head out to the practice field, he called out to me. I heard him like, hey, Croc. So I went over and he was just like, hey, man, just go home. They, they got you a flight. They got you a flight home. Let them know when you're going to come back. Um, don't worry about anything. Just go, you know, take care of whatever you have to do at home. And that was when I was like, dang, it's real. And I just broke down crying, you know. So the Kobe thing is still kind of numb to me, man. Like, I've been going about it as if it's something that just really didn't happen. And and um, I think, you know, watching Shaq today made it more real. Whereas, like, you know, this is this is real, man. Kobe's Kobe's gone. We lost a we lost a legend. Yeah, and you know what? Is I've got plenty of things I could say, but good things, of course. But I just uh, I think we're gonna leave it at that because what you just said was, I don't know, pretty well articulated and touching and. You know, obviously pretty real for you. So I'm not, I don't think, I don't feel any need to add to that. So, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and Gianna and everybody else on that helicopter. And, you know, keeps obviously everything, every, 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 everything about this event got humbled really quick just because, you know, when it comes to life and death and losing people that have that many influences on so many people, uh, it, it all gets, all get, got real, real quick. But so, anyways, let's, uh, let's, let's jump forward. Let's move forward after, uh, you know, hopefully that, that all seems appropriate. Um, and let's talk 49ers and Chiefs. You know, and we got a we got a Super Bowl on our hands. Eric Cocker and I have been coming at you all season long, you know, reacting to every single game, previewing every single game, and it's just weird to finally be here. You know what I mean? Covering the previewing the, the very last game of the season. And in the words of of Billy Bean in Moneyball, if you haven't seen Moneyball, it's an incredible movie. Um, but he says, Hey, if, right. if you don't win the last game of the season, nobody gives a shit. And that's and that's really what it comes down to the 49ers. They've had an incredible season, an incredible turnaround, and no one's really going to be able to take that away from them. But if they don't win the last game of the season, no one's going to give a shit. So, uh, you know, and even John Lynch said that he couldn't wait to say that when he got up to accept his uh, NFC Championship trophy at the game. He said, he said, uh, you know, no one remembers who went to the Super Bowl. They just remember who won it. You know, so, uh, you know, and that's that's really where it comes down to the 49ers. Everything about the season has almost seemed you know, like, like, like destiny in a way and the way the 49ers have, have played these games, even the ones they lost and how they've all unfolded and kind of everything that's got them to here right now. And for them to finally be here, it's awesome. And it's, and it's, and it's cool to see them going up against a team that not only commands respect, but, you know, is coached by a well-respected coach. There's, you know, there's no type of Patriots vibe in this matchup. It's two teams that are well-respected and, and endeared, and you know, they have well-liked players on both squads. And it's, it's just an, it's an interesting thing. And, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just a, it seems like a really, I don't know, I, the best way to say it, maybe like a positive vibe about this Super Bowl and the, and the way it's, it's two teams that haven't been there in a while. And it's hard to explain it in, in the way I'm thinking about it, but. It should be a it should be a great matchup, and and obviously to me that the overarching storyline for this Super Bowl has been, you know the the Chiefs offense versus the 49ers defense. You know you have the the immovable object versus the unstoppable force type of a deal, and it, to me I it, this normally like when we went into the Vikings games and we went into the Packers game, I felt like I knew what to expect and I knew what the 49ers had to do to put their opponent away. And, and in both cases, it, it unfolded exactly how I felt like it could unfold and how it should unfold and the way they should do it to, to, to win. And that's how they did it. And with this one, I'm just not nearly as, 
you know, as, as, as confident, I guess just not necessarily confident. That's not a good way of saying it. It's more, you know, I don't, I don't have the answer, especially, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an NFL caliber coach, you know, but the other two matchups, I felt like it was very clear what they had to do and they did it and they won. And with this one, it's just different. I I'm not as, you know, stopping something like the chiefs offense is, is if, if it was that easy, everybody would have done it already. So, um, it's interesting. What do you think, man? What are your what are your in regards to the Chiefs' offense versus the 49ers' defense? What are your first What are your first thoughts? I, I think the first things first, man. Like, if I'm the 49ers, obviously you want to limit the deep ball, and I think the best way, like, when kind of going back, I've, I've watched a bunch of games now. I think the best way to limit the deep ball from the Kansas City Chiefs is playoff kind of and make them check it down, and when you check it down come up and hit them and hit, hit them in the mouth, hit them hard. You also, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't allow uh, Mahomes to extend plays. And it's a little, you know, obviously easier said than done, but I think there are a lot of times where guys have shots on him. He's not elusive like Russell Wilson. He can move around. And I think his straight line is really good. But as far as like, you know, really making guys miss in the pocket. I, I don't think he's that. I think he moves well in the pocket. So you just got to – don't let him extend plays. And I think, you know, if anybody can kind of neutralize that a little bit, is obviously it's the 49ers. So I, I think that would be the key. Um, obviously li- limit the big plays, keep everything in front of you, and don't let Mahomes extend plays. Because if he does, he's deadly when he does that. Right, and it really just comes down to – you know, disciplined pass rushes that keep him in the pocket. And if 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 I had to guess, the 49ers don't mind Mahomes throwing from the pocket. They probably – that doesn't mean he's not good and he's not great and he doesn't – you know, that doesn't mean he's not going to make the plays we're used to him making. But the 49ers are going to want Mahomes to throw from the pocket because then that makes him every other quarterback that they face that they've gotten after. It's the moment, like you said, when he breaks out of the pocket and you can like – if there was like an anxiety meter for Kyle Shanahan, Robert Saul, and the 49ers defense, the moment Mahomes rolls out or gets out of that pocket, that anxiety meter will skyrocket. Because at that point, you've got receivers who are going into kind of like, you know, scramble drills, get open, and Mahomes can throw it on the run better than anybody. And there's just too many things that, that are – it's no longer going by the book. And, and that's how he makes plays. Now, I'm with you, though. I'm not nearly as, as threatened by Mahomes as I would say Russell Wilson or, or even Kyler Murray, for that matter. These guys that, that one, are very – the way they move around is very effective within the pocket, and then they could just take off. Like, dude, I, I have no idea how Mahomes broke off that huge touchdown against the Titans. That was like one of the most – the saddest <laughs> defensive displays I've ever seen. And it – it was just like, I mean, I think I can't remember where me, were you and I watching that? At the, I, I think we were, were we looking up at the screen at Levi Stadium or something? You and I were watching that happen. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we definitely saw it happen when it right. happened, and it was like, what the heck? Right, like, how did and let that happen. And that wasn't that play yeah, to me wasn't weird. indicative of of the the threat of Patrick Mahomes. The threat of Patrick Mahomes is, and he's excellent at this, is rolling out and waiting as long as possible to take off. He's just going to survey that field and buy himself as much time as he can to throw that ball. So, in regards to the 49ers, do I think they're going to be able to get after Patrick Mahomes and pressure him? Absolutely, they can do that. 
to any quarterback. Uh, it's just a matter of doing it in a way that's disciplined that keeps him from rolling out. If he darts up the middle, okay, fine. You know, usually in that case, they're running. Okay, you got defenders up there, but don't don't let him outside to where he's gonna you know roll towards the sideline and throw a fifty yard deep ball you know to a guy who who managed to break free of coverage. And, and obviously, 49ers fans are very accustomed to that, having played against Russell Wilson for so long, and. You know, I know the 49ers defense has struggled against mobile quarterbacks, and Mahomes is mobile. Not nearly as mobile as some of the other quarterbacks they face. He's not he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not he's not any of those. But at the same time, at, at the very least, the 49ers have had a chance to deal with mobile quarterbacks and deal with these uh, uh, you know right. that style of play. You know, and, and they're experienced at dealing with it. So you know, I think that. You know, at least they've they've ran through the gamut of mobile quarterbacks that should prepare them for something like Mahomes. But the biggest thing for me is, is like you said, it's just limiting the splash plays. And I think no matter how much speed they have on the perimeter, to me, everything runs through Travis Kelsey. And he's got to be the guy. I don't know if the 49ers are going to double anybody, you know, if, if, a, if a linebacker ends up covering him or whoever it is. It's all to me. It's all about Travis Kelsey. He's their third down guy. He's their go to guy in crummy situations. The other receivers are speed, you know, but none of them are truly to me. Like when I think of elite receivers and receivers that make plays in the face of coverage and stuff like that, none of the Chiefs receivers are like that to me. They will beat you deep and they will get open because they have they're fast. But when it comes to a, a go to guy and somebody that you should fear in any situation, to me that's Travis Kelsey, and and he's right. the guy that I feel like they need to focus on. Would you? Uh, it sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hundred percent agree. That's their uh, their their possession receiver, right? Um, and then you know, obviously, you know, there's always that argument of who's the best tight end in the league. Is it Kittle? Is it Kelsey, you know, Kelsey is, I mean, he, he's dynamic, man. You know, he's, he's, he's really good. And that's, they'll, they'll split the three, you know, receivers out left and, and split out uh, Kelsey to the right and kind of really isolate him, uh, you know, against a, a cornerback or a linebacker trying to figure out what coverage they're in. And, um, and then they use that as, as their, you know, at their advantage, man. And uh, they, they do that kind of stuff often. So, you know, dude is definitely, that that's their guy. That's their guy. You know, if I had to put money on who's going to lead them in catches, I would I would say him. Right, and that's a good point. If you go and look at the Chiefs' kind of breakdown of their postseason stats, that's exactly where it is. Uh, you know, Kelsey has he doesn't have the the most yards, but he has the most receptions. And I guarantee you, if you he also has the most touchdowns. He has in the playoffs over you know the, the course of their season, their postseason, um, he's had 13 catches for 164 yards and three touchdowns. So that's your guy right there. And and, and surprisingly, the second the second best receiver behind him has been Sammy Watkins with nine catches for 190 yards. So, I mean, that'll tell you about their type of offense right there. Sammy Watkins has nine catches for 190 yards. So that's, I mean, that's 21 yards a catch. That is crazy. So to me, it's, it's splash plays and it's Travis Kelsey. If you can allow them to, to, you know, get those, you know, whatever it's 10 yard gain. And, and, and yeah, yes, of course that moves the chains, but that's not what you're worried about with the chiefs offense. You're worried about the huge explosive plays and you're worried about Travis Kelsey. If they can mitigate those two things, 
I think they have a really good chance. And obviously that's much, much easier said than done. And, but then on, on the flip side to me, the 49ers, excuse me, the 49ers defense versus the Chiefs offense, that's a great matchup. But what gets talked about a lot less to me, and, and for rightfully so, the Chiefs have earned, have earned these talking points. But the 49ers offense versus the Chiefs defense seems almost like the game-defining mismatch to me. Like, I feel like the 49ers defense is going to get theirs. The Chiefs offense is going to get theirs. But but the 49ers offense is going to get theirs. And I don't think the Chiefs defense is going to get theirs. You know what I mean? Like, I think feel like the, that's the one element of this little four-section equation that really doesn't threaten anybody. You know, and, and that's not to – it's not that the Chiefs defense aren't capable of making plays. It's not, not what I'm trying to say. But if you look at everything, you know, the the 49ers let's let's I'll start with the Chiefs okay the Chiefs offense ranks ranks 5th in the NFL so it's right there the 49ers offense ranks 2nd in the NFL so what's it's just crazy that the Chiefs offense is seen as so unstoppable whereas the 49ers offense throughout the season has been better you know and the the 49ers have averaged 30 points a game where the Chiefs have have averaged 28 so that doesn't seem like a lot but the, you know the way it all breaks down that's quite a bit but so the Chiefs' offense is fifth. 49ers is second. The 49ers' defense is eighth. They average 19 points a game, but then they're second when it comes to yards, first when it comes to pass yards, uh, 17th when it comes to rush yards. But obviously we've seen in the playoffs that that's almost like a switch. Like if they want to stop the run, they'll stop the run. Right. And we, that, we saw them do that in the playoffs. And then you go to the Chiefs' defense – and they are they're you know overall points wise they're okay they're seventh at nineteen but then they're seventeenth in in yards allowed per game they allow three hundred and fifty yards a game they're they allow one hundred twenty eight yards per uh, rush yards per game that's twenty sixth and none of their they're it's just that's the one part of this matchup that seems like the part that doesn't match up with everybody else you've got a Elite 49ers defense, an elite 49ers offense, an elite Chiefs offense, and then a just okay Chiefs defense. That I know for you know, I, I can't remember the the name of the defensive coordinator, um, but the uh, Shanahan is used to going up against this type of defense. So, you know, I feel like that's the if there's one part that is going to allow the, the the 49ers to keep pace with the Chiefs, that's going to allow them to just maybe get just enough to outpace, you know, even the, the Chiefs offense. It's the fact that that's that mismatch there. And, you know, it's it's just tough to say. And when it comes to the 49ers offense, I would say it's all about keeping Mahomes off the field. They have to be able to run. The, they don't have to be able to run the ball as well as they have been. You know, that's, that's like absurd running the ball. It'd be nice. We'll see if they can do that. You know, that'd be great if they, they can average seven yards a carry. But even if it's four yards a carry or 3.5 yards per carry, they've got to get the hard yards and they've got to extend drives and they've got to keep Mahomes off the field. That's just where the win's going to come from. And I feel like the 49ers offense is built to do that. You know, it's it's built to run the ball. And, and they've already shown that if the 49ers want to pass, they can pass. And they can go toe-to-toe with any if, – if you can go toe-to-toe with the Saints, with the Saints you can go toe-to-toe with anybody. And – um it's just it's interesting, man. I mean, what what else do you what do you think when it comes to the 49ers offense and the Chiefs defense? What do you uh are, do you have any ideas what we're even going to see? Yeah, I I think that, and I've mentioned that I, I think that's kind of been the thing that's kind of been a little forgotten. And it's like how how is it that nobody is talking about how good the 49ers offense has been this year? 
they talk about the running game. They don't talk about how the passing game works off of the running game. Um, I think they've kind of just dismissed uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and and just really what he's done all year. Is, I, I thought it was kind of like <laughs> a little disrespectful, but, um, you know, the 49ers, man, they're coming in here and it, it's weird because, you know, the 49ers have Kyle Shanahan and you would think that that would be a more of a talking point. But I think it has been a talking point by anybody who kind of matters, right? So, like, um, Baldinger. I just heard him say that he's picking the 49ers and he was talking about the run game and and how, you know, multiple it is and, and how it's different than the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not looking for people to agree with me on who I think should win. I, I just would have liked, not, I don't want to say liked, but I thought I would see a little bit more respect to the 49ers offense that has been really good all year. Well, yeah, like like I just said, they, they're the second best offense in the NFL when it comes to points per game. You know, they average pretty much 30 points a game, which is which is intense. And that's, you know, I, I, I've, I've wondered the same thing. Why, when it comes to somebody like, I think it's just because of kind of what I mentioned earlier, the 49ers aren't as explosive. They're more of a well-balanced, well-oiled machine. Whereas the Chiefs, you know, and, and everybody's when you come when you talk about recency bias and what's happened recently, the Chiefs, you know, dropping fifty-one points on the Texans, essentially all in the second half. You know, like uh, it's not in the second half. Obviously, all in the second quarter and then the second half. It was, you know, I think that kind of has everybody jaded to the uh, to the fact that the Chiefs' offense is unstoppable. When you look at the season as a whole, and and even the postseason, that's a that's a sixteen-game span. You know what I mean? That's 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 something that you can't be just discounted because of you know because of the fact that of what we've seen just in two games during the postseason. It's the 49ers offense has been executing at a high level all season. And to me, you can feel to me you should be able to feel more confident about the 49ers offense because they can they can win it either way. If the Chiefs are gonna win it, they're gonna do it through the air and they're gonna do it with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and you know, whichever receiver decides to go off. Whereas the 49ers are going to do it, they're going to do it on the ground. And if they need to, they're going to do it through the air. And Jimmy Garoppolo has proven he can win. And, and the 49ers have a reliable group of receivers too, including, you know, the best tight end in the game, you know, in my opinion. And so it's, it's just weird, dude. It's been a, it's been a weird thing. I just feel like the 49ers were not, excuse me, the 49ers, the media wants to, they want to, you know, prop up the event and, and make it seem as dramatic as possible. And I feel like, you know, creating that the, the Chiefs offense versus the 49ers defense was the easiest way they could do it. You know, whereas they're just completely glossing over one of the best NFL best offenses in the NFL that just ran for, uh, you know, that just had a 220 yard rusher to whatever many yards Raheem Mostert ran against the Packers. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just weird. It's weird how it all unfolds and how things kind of just get forgotten. And even when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, because I feel like every, every week we jump on here and we're having to talk about more Jimmy Garoppolo disrespect. And even when we're coming into the Super Bowl, yeah. it's the same thing. The, the, it's, people are acting like Jimmy Garoppolo is incapable of throwing the football. Well, they, they, and I, I, I guess if I don't watch the 49ers all year, like if I just looked at uh, maybe a, a, you know, box scores or, um, and then, oh, finally I get to see Jimmy G and I watch, you know, a couple of playoff games where, you know, he's not as sharp 
against the Vikings and then doesn't throw at all against the Packers. I guess I could see why somebody might think that he has to prove that he can throw the ball. But for anybody that's like, you know, you get paid to talk about football and that's your that's what you're saying about, you know, the 49ers and Jimmy G, then I kind of think that that's kind of ridiculous. Right. And Jimmy G's been been solid and that's that's that was the biggest part to to try and get over for me is you had people that legitimately looked at the the postseason boss scores and were like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done anything. But if you were averaging seven yards a carry on the ground, why would you throw it? Right. It's a first down every two plays and you just cruise. And and that includes the short games. The 49ers were, you know, as far as, you know, for what, if you watch the game, you would think the 49ers were adding way more or averaging way more because they were, you know, they were just running all over them. So it's it's just weird. And I, I do believe, and I have that on here, I think the 49ers are going to fa- pass a lot more. I think the way they beat the the Vikings and the way they beat the Packers is going to, in the same way the 49ers are going to probably over-prepare a little bit for the pass, I think the Chiefs are going to over-prepare against the run. And I think the Shanahan is going to have all kinds of stuff dialed up in, through the air that is going to shock the Chiefs. And he knows – that you know, there is a good chance. I, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers defense comes out and really dominates the Chiefs, like because they've already shown me that they can do that to great offenses throughout the you know throughout the NFL throughout this season. But I feel like Kyle Shanahan knows that there's a good chance that this game turns into a shootout, and I feel like they like they know they can't settle for field goals, bro. Right. They know that they can't get inside that 20 yard line and settle for a field goal. Yeah, and the part that, that and and this this also you know this works for Andy Reid because he's an amazing play caller too. But the part that blows my mind or, or gets me really like kind of smirking is you have a guy like Kyle Shanahan who's pretty widely regarded as the best play caller in the NFL, and he has no reason to not he's not hiding anything anymore. This is the last game of the season. This is the Super Bowl. This is for it all, and this is for a guy that gave up a twenty. 28 to three. I mean, he didn't give up the 28 to three lead, but he had a part in the Falcons blowing a 28 to three lead over the Patriots. I'm just excited to see what Kyle Hannon, Kyle Shanahan's going to going to have to throw out there. Well, you know, cause there's, there's no, there's no reason to wait anymore. And he, he didn't really have to show anything in the first two playoff games, as far as, you know, no, passing, he did not. passing goes, you know, they were very uh, v- vanilla, you know, it never, you know, was in a situation where they had to open up. You know, even in the first half against the the Vikings, where they were throwing the ball a little more, um, it, it was very vanilla. Not too many um, misdirection type stuff. Um, on the first drive, they did a few different things. They scored a touchdown. Um, Jimmy G threw that touchdown pass, and then after that, it was just like, I think this game is kind of in hand. You know, the defense was handling uh, the Vikings. Well, and to me, what 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 I value in the run game is obviously there's stability. There's, it's safer. The clock keeps running when you've got a lead, all that stuff. But to me, it's so much more disheartening because there's a physic phys- for the defense. It's, there's a physicality to it. There's an inevitability to it. Like, especially in both those games, at, at some point, both of those defenses realized that they were going to get ran on and there was nothing they could do about it. You know, and, and to me, that's much more, you know, not to say that being dunked on with these huge passes all day isn't isn't frustrating, but to me, just somebody pounding you for four, five, six yards 
a carry six yards per play and it just keeps going and going and going and going and the clock's ticking away and your leads you're not gain you know like to me that's just so like frustrating and it you know i luckily the 49ers haven't really been on the receiving end of a game like that but you know, and I feel like that's if, – if the Chiefs give them the chance and the Chiefs have not been a good team against the run, they've been better in the second half of the season and kind of kind of leveled out. But they've also faced teams that, that didn't necessarily have a, an electric type of rushing offense, you know. Um, well, that, that, that's like the Packers where a lot of people talked up, you know, the Packers wins down the stretch and, oh, they did this and that. And they, they haven't lost since they played the 49ers. But it's like, well, who'd they play? Right. You know, they didn't play anybody. Right. And the, they, you know, the Chiefs did well that, against that, that, the Titans, and that to me is that's a good that's a good step forward to be able to stop that rushing offense. But you know, lining up and having to stop Derrick Henry is different than ha- than what Kyle Shanahan's going to throw at you. You know, the the, right. the Titans running game is is not nearly as nuanced as the 49ers running game, and the 49ers running game features so much more motion and misdirection and and you know this variation of outside zones and just straight up power or some weird mix of the two. And you know, you every week we've seen Brian Baldinger break these things down, and it, and every week it's something different that he's just in awe of. So it's it's just not the same, and and you know it bodes well for the Chiefs that they were able to stop Derrick Henry. But it's just not the same, and it kind of brings me back to my last point: is is they're gonna they're gonna put a lot of their defensive game planning and efforts into stopping the run game, and I and I don't think Kyle Shanahan has a problem with that. Yes, he's gonna want to run the ball, and the offense is predicated on that. But if if all of a sudden his his offense that's averaging like six yards a carry goes down to three or four, but all of a sudden they're able to pass like crazy. I don't think he's going to have a problem with that. And I think the 49ers are going to kind of try and take advantage of, of just how much everyone expects them to run like crazy. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is out there dealing, you know, crushing some narratives a little bit. But the one thing- Well, that's what Jimmy G has done, you know, his whole time. He's crushed na- narratives. I mean, any time that – those narratives came up. Right. It would, it would seem like he'd almost like, you know, not that the team would ever consider stuff like that to determine what they're going to do in a game. But every time stuff like that, something's come up, you know, like the, the, you know, Saints game, the, you know, the, both the uh, Cardinals games. And it, it's just throughout the season, it's been crazy. But the one thing I want to make sure we get to uh, before we kind of, uh, and in case if you're listening and you're not, you're, you know, we obviously I haven't mentioned yet. Crocker and I are going to hit you with another podcast a little later this week. Uh, we're going to make it about you guys. We're not done yet, but we're going to make it about you guys. We're probably going to do a little mailbag. We'll see. We'll hear your your, your guys' questions and your thoughts on the Super Bowl, and we'll talk about that. And that'll be our that'll be our last episode before the Super Bowl. But the one thing I want to talk of before we wrap it up today is is you made you made sure that we mentioned this, but is one Frank Clark who had some kind of some silly comments. Why don't you, uh, why don't you enlighten us as to the, the Frank Clarkness? Well, well, first I want to start off by kind of defending him a little bit. I, I think he used the wrong words. I think he, he meant to say that he wasn't familiar with D Ford. He, he, he talked about how, um, you know, he was, he, he knows Buckner and, um, he called Armstead sack Nina. Um, but he said, I'm not too fond of D Ford. When I I think he meant to say I'm not too familiar with D Ford, and he was like, you know, I don't watch football. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, maybe. So uh, he maybe meant to say familiar. Like, That's funny. 
Yeah, he basically tried to say, like, I have no idea who D Ford is or anything like that. Like, that's kind of how he made it seem, which is weird because it's like, well, I'm pretty sure it came up about how, you know, D Ford was traded and then you were brought in. So I know that came up a lot. I, I, it had to. So he had to know something about D Ford. And one thing I noticed, you know, just me being in the NFL locker room, um, you do watch film on the previous season, like during offseason OTAs and stuff like that. And I'm sure he was lining up in spots where maybe even D4 was. So to, to kind of act like he didn't know who he was and he wasn't familiar with him at all, I think that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> right, right, of course. But keep going. What did what did he uh, what did he say that kind of had us laughing? And, and then he and then he said um, that the 49ers have not seen a defensive end like him. <laughs> Which again. Bullshit. <laughs> right. Well, my funny reply was, and this is this is not even considering who the 49ers have faced this season, but my my funny reply that I that I replied to that on Twitter was the 49ers have faced Frank Clark eight times over the last four years. They know exactly what to expect. And you've got Mike McGlinchey, who's in his second year, and Joe Staley, who's in his one thousandth year, and these guys know, and the coaches have faced him. This is their third year facing him, and they they know exactly what they to expect in in Frank Clark. And I think in those eight games, he wasn't bad. He had like three and a half sacks, and you know a decent amount of splash plays. And I'm sure if you went into Pro Football Focus, you'd see some pretty you know some decent pressure numbers and stuff like that. But the 49ers have faced far and away better pass rushers than, yeah. than D Ford throughout this season. They're not sweating D Ford. Now that I'm not sitting here saying he, he shouldn't be considered, but they're not Clark. Right. You you were saying D Ford. Sorry. Oh, my bad. How many times did I say D Ford instead of Frank Clark? Uh, just twice. Okay. Well, that's two times too many, <laughs> but it's, yeah, they're not sweat. They're not sweating Frank Clark. It, it, it's they've, They've seen better. I mean, if you go go through the go down the list of their season, you know, you start with like the Steelers in week three, which is TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. Both of them had great seasons. Then you've got Miles Garrett with the Browns. And they the 49ers put 31 points on them. Then you've got who else you got here? Uh, you have Chandler Jones twice with the Cardinals. You have um why am I this? I was just talking to him before the pod with the Seahawks. Oh, Clowney. Jadavion Clowney. Right, right. You have the Smith brothers for the Packers, both of which had tremendous seasons. Zadarius Smith was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL this year. Um, You have, who is it? Saints, Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you have, and you, you know, Jadavion Clowney again. They've, they've faced a ton of of good pass rushers this year. And some of the times they did it with backup offensive tackles. And now they've got Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley, both of which are completely healthy after their, their injuries this season. It's just, it's not really something that they're. I don't even think, did we mention Everson Griffin and Hunter? No, I didn't even go into the playoffs. <laughs> I didn't. They both, they, you know, that was another huge story against the Vikings was Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, how the 49ers are going to deal with these, these, this two headed rushing attack. And, I don't know. Were they even a factor? If anything, all I remember from them was George Kittle handling them in the in the run game. Yeah, Hunter had one sack, but it was on like a play where I, I don't think um, the 49ers offensive line was like set. It was like McGlinchey was just getting set. Right, right, you're right. Yep, yep. 
McGlinchey, I don't know if the ball was snapped too early or McGlinchey just lost his timing and didn't know the, the play had started and, and he ran right by him and it was the easiest sack of his life. So, you know, it's, it's just not, and again, they've, they faced the Smith brothers again in uh, the postseason, And it was another non-factor. So, I mean, Zedaria Smith made a play. I think it was just, they had one, they had one sack and I think it was his and it was, it's just not, that's not what the 49ers are afraid of. They're not afraid of Frank Clark. So that was just funny. It was just funny on so many levels. Like, yes, they have faced the defensive end like you multiple times over the past three years, and they've faced much better you than you throughout the this year. Yeah, he's good. Like, I, I don't want to make it seem like Clark is some, you know, just average. I, he's definitely above average. He's a good pass rusher. Um, I, I think it's just a statement of, 49ers not seeing anybody like him, and that's false. But he is very talented. I, I mean, I'll give him that. Um, now, if it were Von Miller standing up there and he said the 49ers haven't faced anybody like me, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, you can't. You have to respect that. But it's not. So, and then you know, if it blows up in in my face, or I mean, I'm not saying Frank Clark is bad. I'm just saying what he's saying is just kind of laughable. It's just. Just pre Super Bowl hype talk, you know. Just it's it's just not it's just sort of hollow, you know. So you got any um, you got any uh, any closing thoughts? Anything we haven't talked about the Chiefs that you feel like we need to hit before we before before we roll out of here, dude? Not really. I, I know we're gonna um, get into some of it, you know, on the mailbag segment and probably really get into depth on how we feel. But um, you know, obviously, as you know, the closer it gets, on, the more excited I am to just to you know, watch some February football. Uh, with the 40, for the 49ers, and that's something that, you know, I mean, it's been a long time. Well, I was – yeah, a long time, but I guess it could be worse. Our guy – did you see the post with the guy talking about, you know, him being a Browns fan? <laughs> and, right, right. You know, right. we were talking about the sad years with uh, um, Brian Hoyer, and he's like, dude, that was our best quarterback ever. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah, it could it could always be worse. But, you know, what's crazy is it's funny. You know, how many times have you seen somebody use the hashtag like quest for six or stuff like that? And, and shoot, after Sunday, that, that quest could be over. You know, they, they could have six. And, and then that would put them tied with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most Super Bowls. And did the, Patri- did the Patriots get six or do they have five? The Patriots have six. Okay. So they would t- put them with the uh, – the Steelers and the Patriots, uh, you know, tied for the most Super Bowls in the NFL. So, but yeah, I, I, you know, obviously this this podcast is a little bit shorter than we're used to. I know we're coming up on them about forty minutes, and and that's a little bit shorter than we usually do. But like we said, we're gonna come at you again probably Friday morning. We'll record it on Thursday night, and we'll probably put out early Thursday, uh, maybe uh, Wednesday night. That we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do a mailbag. Be prepared for that. If you follow us on Twitter at Rob underscore louder or at Eric underscore Crocker, um, be prepared for us to put those out, get your questions in. It's literally something where we're going to hit every single question. So um, unless we've repeated it, obviously, or, or somebody asks a similar question. So if you, uh, if you know, you have a question for the mailbag, hit us up. Don't, don't send us it before we put that post out. Cause really what'll happen is I'll click on that post and then we'll roll through every question and just kind of talk on it. So just wait for that get your questions ready. And, and we just felt like it'd be appropriate to, you know, make the last episode before the Super Bowl. Um, you know, more about you guys than about us and our opinions, because without you guys, we wouldn't be here recording this podcast anyways. So um, I appreciate you. Croc, you good? I'm good, man. 
Okay. So, uh, like we said, we will see you again later this week. Be on the lookout Wednesday night, Thursday morning, somewhere in there for us calling for mailback questions um, because that's what we're going to spend the entire episode doing. And then we'll probably close it with our final thoughts. And and then obviously it's, it's up to the 49ers from there. So, as I said, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, jump on whatever you're listening to, wherever you can. Rate, comment, subscribe, do all that fancy stuff. Show us some love. Um, that's it for us. That's it for us uh, tonight. And again, I appreciate you. And this is Striking Gold signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.